130,000 meals. We had it for lunch uh, about five years ago, the rice and bean protein pack combo. It's awful. It's absolutely terrible. Um, unless you're hungry, then I imagine it's the best thing that ever hits you. So thank you guys for feeding 930,000. I wonder what that would be in this room. Probably about the size of this room, 930,000 meals. We're about 70,000 meals away from our million meal goal. And some people say, what are we going to do after that? And I I, the hunger's not done, so I guess we're not done. We'll just kind of pray and see what's next. But how many guys think we can do 10 million? What do you think? Okay, good. I'm in if you're in. All right. Uh, next week, we're starting a series called Let's Talk About Good News. How many guys could use some good news? We're going to talk about turning off the newscast for a minute or two, turning off the social media for the rest of your life. For the love of God, please turn it off. Um, and we're going to talk about good news, really filling our hearts and minds with the gospel. Filling our hearts and minds with the hope of Jesus Christ and, and the power of good news, the power of just trusting who he is. We're going to spend a month talking about that as we get ready for Christmas. It starts next week. Today, we're going to finish out our series called Let's Talk About Storms, and we're going to end with failing forward. We've been talking about failure in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm, the epic, epic, biblical-sized failure that these guys came up with. We're going to talk about failing forward, what it means. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Turn your Bibles there, Matthew 14, verse 22. And we're, we're going to go back to the exact same lake at about the exact same time in what was probably a very similar spot. Uh, same darkness, same boat, same crew, same everything almost, except for one thing, and that is at this point, remember the storm that we just talked about in Mark chapter 4 for the last three weeks? Today, somebody's going to get it right. They're back in the same spot. How many of you guys have been back in the same spot more than once with the exact same test? How many of you guys have been there, right? What is God doing? He's giving us another chance to learn from our failure. We're failing forward. We're failing forward, but we failed, but we failed forward. What'd you learn? What'd you learn? When, when people come to me and say, man, that was the roughest season of my life, I don't say, oh, poor baby. I say, what'd you learn? Why? Because rough seasons come for the purpose of sharpening our faith. And when our problem is bigger than our God, there's a process or we lose our faith. Some people don't make it past their mountain, but those who do, they have a bigger God, if you will. And the God's bigger, just they open their eyes to who he really is. Matthew chapter 14, let's get back in the boat. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples, and I chuckle because I think by this point, when Jesus says get in the boat, they're like, please don't make us get in the boat. So Jesus made them, no, you're getting in the boat. I'm not going with you like, oh, this is worse than before, right? Jesus made them get in the boat. I'm picturing trying to give my bulldog a bath, like, you know, all the paws are out, not trying to get in the boat, right? Get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. We've heard that phrase before, the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. But here's the problem. There's another storm. It's buffeted. The waves and the wind are actually going in the wrong direction. And so every time they go a little bit forward, the wave pushes them a little bit back, a little bit forward, a little bit back. They're trying to trim themselves, trying to figure it out. Now, they're not in danger, but they're not getting anywhere. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In your faith. It's not that I'm in danger. I'm just not getting it. I'm fighting the same thing over and over again. This is what happens. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. How many of you guys like it when the Bible just says it? Just says it. So Jesus walking on water. It's like, oh, it was a Tuesday, I think. He's walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were filled with faith because they knew him to be the Lord of the wind and the waves. Is that what it says? No. They go right back to the default setting. They're terrified. I think I know why they're terrified. It's because four of them are fishermen. They've been on that lake. 
They're the leaders. When you get in that boat, those who've been in boats for their whole life are the leaders. Whether the leaders or not, if you know how to trim the sails and bail the boat and, you know, do the, do the rudder, then, then you're in charge. And, and I think that every kid that has uncles has heard the ghost stories about the dead guys that walk on the lake. And the uncle said, amen. You know what I'm talking about? In other words, when you, we don't want our kids to do something because it's dangerous, we tell them stories. Like if you don't eat your vegetables, the boogeyman's going to get you. If you guys get in that boat and sneak out in the middle of the night, that's fine. But there was once a boat just like this one filled with little boys just like you. They went on a pleasure cruise in eel-infested waters. Those are the screeching eels, your highness, right? And I'm sorry, that was a princess bride lapse. It was fun for me, but nobody else got it, so that was odd. You guys need to have better taste in movies. That's all I'm saying. That was diehard. You'd have gotten it, but it wasn't. It was Princess Bride. But what happened was, I think when they saw this, like their worst nightmare, like they, they knew what was going on. It's the dead guys. It's the ghost light. They're freaking out, right? When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately, remember he was quiet last time, sleeping in the boat. This time he's going to talk. Immediately he said to them, take courage. It, it's me, guys. Don't be afraid. And Peter goes, <laughs> Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And I love this. Jesus says, well, then come on. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. I don't know much about walking on water, but I know this. If you walk on water, walk towards Jesus. So that's, he's doing well, right? But when he saw the wind, which you can't see because it's invisible, in the dark, and it's wind. Uh, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He goes, you have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, now this was really setting up to be an exact failure as, as the last one. But one of them, you got to hear me. This is important because it's for everybody. By the way, today I'm talking to everybody, but I'm really only talking to one person. I don't know who that person is. It might be me. It might be you. But I know that if one person gets faith, we all get something from that one person's faith. When one person believes something that's impossible, touches something that's intangible, sees something that's invisible, hears something that's inaudible, and acts upon that, it raises the level of faith in the entire community. Does that make sense? So we got 12 guys in a boat. One guy is going to be promoted from no faith, Mark chapter 4, to O ye of little brains. You have little faith in Matthew chapter 14. One of them went from no faith to little faith. Why is that important? And, and, I, and I would just simply say this, because if one of us gets it, through default, we all kind of get it. Does that make sense? When Pastor Les, you're in the front row, I'm going to spit on you 18 times. Can I just talk about you? Pastor Les has this vision for business. He goes out, steps into a situation. Uh, the car lot's coming his way. He's buying, he's selling. He's praying with every customer. Now, everybody else who had this idea of someday changing the direction of their life and starting a business because of one act of faith, it elevates everybody's faith in the room that sees it. Does that make sense? When, when somebody else decides, I'm going to go to Haiti, and, and I'm going to go there, I'm going to serve kids food, and I'm going to get my heart broken and get my heart filled. I'm going to come back and talk about it. One person's experience somehow elevated everybody, even though only one person in that video went to Haiti. Everybody in the room just got to get out of Haiti what she got out of it in some other ways. Does that make sense? When, when you start a ministry, when you start a business, 
when you start a family, when you retire, but you don't retire, you refire, and your ministry actually begins when your career stops, you, you raise the level of faith for everybody else around you. I'm talking to somebody online. I'm talking to somebody in the room. When you believe God, when you trust God, when you are Chuck Kova and decide to quit your IT, you know, thing in 30 years in the business and start a personal coaching ministry, it raises the level of expectation and belief for everybody that knows Chuck Kova. Does that make sense? When you decide, when you decide to write a song and it turns out to be an awesome song and the whole church worships to it, it raises the level for every other songwriter in the room. And that's what's happening. Peter went from no faith to a little faith. He didn't walk on water for more than a minute, but it elevated everybody's faith, not in Peter, but in the, the God who allowed Peter to walk on water for a minute. Does that make sense? It was little faith. And it wasn't little faith to walk on water, by the way. We're going to get into this. What was the little faith? It wasn't faith to walk on water. Jesus uh, never allowed Peter to walk on water again. It wasn't like, and after that, he walked for two minutes the next day. He worked up to an hour within a month. And now Peter doesn't use boats anymore. That's, that's not, it isn't water walking faith. It's faith in something else. Number one is this. He had faith in who Jesus was. How do we know that? Because for the first time, he used that word when he addressed Jesus. Isn't it interesting that in Matthew chapter 4, it's teacher, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4, it's teacher, don't you care if we drown. But in Matthew chapter 14, it's Lord. Lord, if you tell me I can walk on water, baby, I can walk on water. What happened between teacher, you don't care, and Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I can do. Listen, we got to remember something too. They're all scared. And one thing you have to know about people that are frightened, they don't mince their words. People that are scared just say it. When you scare somebody, if they have a problem with the French language, you'll find out right away that they they were educated at the school of blankety-blank, right? I was jogging. This is years ago. I'd gotten bit by my neighbor's dog, and it was a Jack Russell Terrier Stupid thing bit me and hung off my hands. And I'm just like, ah, ah, blood's dripping down. There's blood. I mean, it looks like a, like a mini Cujo kind of a thing, right? And I'm like, what is my, and, he, and finally, you know, let go of him. The, the owner goes, let go of him. And the, the dog let go of me, went and licked his lips. And I, evidently I was delicious. He came after me multiple times. But from that point, it's the first dog that ever bit me in my entire life. And I was probably 45. So my whole life, dogs have been a refuge. It's been a safe place. It's been love. It's been fur. It's been fat. It's been, it's been wonderful. And now this dog bit me. And for, for the first time in my life, I'm afraid. I don't know if it's a good dog or a bad dog. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. This translates into all your experiences, not just mine, by the way. One day I'm out running, and I've got these uh, earbuds in, and I'm listening to worship music, and I'm loving Jesus. God, I love you. Because how many of you know when you're running like more than 10 miles, you better think about something better than ow, 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 ouch, ow, owie, right? So God, I love you, and I'm just kind of loving Jesus, running on the sideway, and all of a sudden I see something moving, and I look down. It's a Jack Russell Terrier, and he's coming at me. When you're scared, you're honest. I turn towards this dog. You ever had earphones in? You didn't realize how loud you were? I screamed to this dog, bring it on. I've got vengeance in my soul. Word for word. And I thought, anybody? Okay, we're all good. Peter is not thinking about his words. When you're scared, there's not time to think about your words. He's expressing what is in his heart. And for the first time, in the Gospel of Matthew, Peter calls Jesus Lord. There was an evolution. 
And Lord simply means this. Lord is a title of honor, uh, expressive of respect and reverence with, uh, with which servants, and by the way, servants are actually slaves. Uh, one out of three people in Rome were conquered people owned by Roman citizens. And, and uh, when we think of slavery today, we, we get the mindset of a, a southern plantation. And, and certainly there was that and, and worse, depending on their position. But uh, the vast majority were servants in the household. They were conquered people that were kind of Romanized. They could buy their citizenship at, at some point. Uh, they, being born a slave didn't mean you had to die a slave. But just get this. It's a, it's a title of honor, expressive of, of respect and reverence with which servants greet their masters. When... when when Peter, in Matthew, Mark chapter 4, says teacher, he's, that's the relationship he has with him. You're a teacher, but you're not a miracle worker. You're a teacher, but I haven't given you my life. I, I, I love your words. The miracles are awesome. The bread was good. The fish, thanks for it all. But, but beyond filet of fish, you don't do this. Not in my life. I do this in my life. But this night, a year later, a month later, a week later, I don't know how long it is, but this night, something shifted in Peter. It came out of his face, and he called him Lord. The little faith Jesus spoke of was not faith to walk on water. It was faith to believe in the Lordship. Everything I am belongs to you. Everything you are belongs to me. I am a member of your household. I'm a member of your family. You are my owner. You possess me. I give you me. When he said, Lord, if it's you, he, he declared a shift in that relationship. Peter, number two, had faith in what Jesus told him to do because he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to dot, 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 right? The servant obeys the master. Please hear what I'm about to say. Peter looks at Jesus and says something like this, and we can all say this, by the way. If you are who you say you are, then I can do anything you tell me to do. Let me say that again. The relationship of lordship necessitates a conversation like Peter had. If you are who you say you are, Jesus, then I can do whatever you tell me to do. Matter of fact, can we just say that? Just, 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 for, just for giggles. Just make an old man happy, will you? Say this with me. If you're looking at Jesus, say this to Jesus. If you are who you say you are, then I can do whatever you tell me to do. That felt like a very Joel Osteen moment. I liked it. This is my Bible, right? Look at the growth in Peter. He went from you don't care to this. I can do whatever you command me. Hear these words, please. Because when I trust you, I'm like you. Please hear that. If you hear nothing else I say, hear that. When I trust Jesus, I'm like Jesus. And when I don't trust Jesus, I'm not like Jesus. Does that make sense? Did you get that? Peter says to him this, Lord, if it's you, I can do whatever you tell me to do because, because when I trust you, somehow you make that trust make me like you. Not like I enjoy you, but like I'm, I'm like you. When, when I trust you, I do what you do. When I trust you, I say what you say. When I trust you, I pray the way you pray. When I trust you, I am, I am more like you than I am like me. So if it's you, tell me to do what I can't do. Because when I trust you, I'm like you. And more than anything else, I just want to be like you. Boy, I wish we had a prayer like that left in our heart. I want to be like you. How? Well, by trying harder. No. I want to be like you. How? I want to be like you because when I trust you, you make me like you. I'm like you when I trust you. 
moments like these are some of the most satisfying moments really in my life when I see somebody go, I trust you. The holy God who sent his son to die for my sins and gave himself for me to pay for all of my sins. When I trust you, watch that, then all of a sudden the light bulb comes on. I'm like you. I'm as holy. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, Paul says. How does that work? Because when I trust him, I become like him. You you want to be a miracle worker and a prophet and a wonderful. How do you get from here to there? Well, practice a lot. I mean, maybe, but, but understand this. It doesn't matter how much you practice prophecy unless you are, unless you trust the true prophet, which is Jesus, and then in trusting him, he will make you like him. If you want to be a great pastor, a great father, a great husband, a great friend, a great entrepreneur, how do we do that? If you trust him, he will make you like him. You want to start a ministry that feeds orphans? You want to start a ministry that reaches the nations? You want to start a ministry that reaches your neighbor? That eradicates loneliness in nursing homes? That runs a thousand buses in the inner cities of America and brings kids to hear about Jesus? You want to change the world? Trust Jesus. And when you trust Jesus, you will be like him in your behavior. Did you get that? Peter's little faith went even farther than that, though, and he says this. Peter had faith in Jesus to rescue him, even in failure. The first time he said, Lord, he was saying, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. The second time, which is about a minute later, he's saying, Lord, please rescue me because I just failed. I didn't, I didn't do it right. Lord, if it's you, I can walk on water because when I trust you, I'm like you. But then he saw some circumstances that seemed scary to him, and there was a little wind, and there was something, and he heard, you know, you know, Simon started snickering in the boat, you know, and uh, I'm sorry, this is him in the water. That, you know, whatever, the, the zealot wanted to start snickering. All of a sudden, I, I looked at circumstances instead of trusting Jesus. When I stopped trusting Jesus, I started sinking in my circumstances. Peter's little faith trusted Jesus to be powerful. But get this, please get this. He didn't just trust him to be powerful. He trusted him to be merciful. Beware the person who trusts God's power but doesn't trust God's mercy. Because if all you know is the power of God but not the mercy of God, you're missing more than half of the equation. When, when we say, I trust you to do great things, but if you fail, you blame it on God, you don't attempt any further, it's because you don't understand the mercy of God. Somehow in that scary, terrifying 90 seconds on the lake, Peter trusted God, failed, and trusted God. He trusted God and he was like him. He, he failed because he stopped trusting Jesus, and then he trusted him to save him. Isn't it wonderful that, that his prayer was not, Lord, to you who dwelleth between the cherubim and the seraphim, be blessing and glory forever and ever. Amen. To he who dwells amongst the cherubs with 12 eyes and 18 wings and saying, holy, holy, he screamed, Lord, save me. How many guys love it that Jesus doesn't need eloquence? He just needs sincerity. Again, when you're scared, it just comes out. I'm glad Peter didn't go, bring it on. I've got vengeance in my soul. Because that prayer would not have been good. He was able to fail. You've got to hear me. He was able to fail with faith. We're so afraid of failure that we don't even attempt many times. If you're going to fail, make it big. Make it a wonderful, epic failure. 
And if you fail in your walk on your water, if you fail in your deliverance, if you fail in your desire for holiness, if you fail in your relationships, if you fail in your own personal fruit of, of the Holy Spirit coming through you, this is what you do. You don't say, well, it doesn't work. You don't say, well, God doesn't love me or God must be mad at me because of the way I acted. Just reach out and say, Lord, save me. And the same Lord who empowers you to do what you did for a moment will re-empower you to be restored into right relationship with who he is. Jesus responded to Peter's little faith both times, when he dared to do something great and when he epically blew it. That's the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. Lastly is this. Peter's faith in Jesus inspired others to do the same even though they'd never walked on water themselves. Hear me. People with no faith are changed by people with any faith at all. Let me say it again. People who have no faith are changed by people who exercise any faith at all. People who have no trust. Dina mentioned uh, the, the orphaned uh, mindset. I, I am my provider. I am my protector. I am my savior. It's my good works. I have to be a good person. I have to earn heaven versus God is good. God will take care of me. God is my defender. God is my provider. You guys doing okay? In, in, this, in this understanding, if someone steps in and goes, well, I, you know, the mercy of God covers my sins. People with no faith go, what, you do what? Yeah, God, God's not just powerful. He also, he's also merciful. I mean, God doesn't just ask for holiness and, and demand it because it's best for us. He also has provided for every failure you'll commit along the path between your, your, your understanding of who he is and what he wants you to be in your last breath. He who began a good work in you will be faithful in the journey and will complete it. Like, it's not just you that has to do this. People that have no faith in God's goodness are affected by the people that have any faith in God's goodness. People who have no faith in God's provision are affected by people who have any faith, any measure of faith. I've been around people, some people, piano guy, Jeremy, if you would, I've been around some people that have great faith. And to be honest with you, some of them are really annoying to me because their, their abundance of faith challenges my absence of faith. We have to be very careful. Then we see someone walking on water, we don't say, well, I could do that too if, you know. I don't have time for that. I'm a father. I'm a parent. I'm a grandparent. I got a business around. I got a, you know, it's sure I could walk on water if I had to do is pray all day like Pete. How many of you guys know we should be inspired by any measure of trust that we see? Look, hear me. Then it says this. This is the rest of the, the story. Then those who are in the boat, this is all 12 of them now, worshiped Jesus saying, truly you are the son of God. Hear that. One guy walks on water, 12 guys worship. Let me say it again. One guy, for 90 seconds, walks on water, 12 guys worship. What happened? 11 guys watched a miracle. And they didn't have faith in Peter and in Peter's faith and in the, the solidity of liquid molecules coming together to harden in such a fashion so it supports the weight, the viscosity. All of a sudden, they realized Jesus wasn't just powerful. He was merciful. And when he got back in the boat, they, they, didn't, they didn't applaud a teacher's wisdom. They didn't marvel at a, at a prophet's power. They worshiped a Savior. And we talk about this from time to time, but if you don't know, that's the first time worship is ever mentioned between the disciples and Jesus. Never before in any of the gospel narratives is Jesus worshiped by the 12. You don't worship a prophet. You don't worship a teacher. You don't worship a king. You worship a savior. 
you marvel, you admire, you respect, but you don't worship. When they saw Peter's faith in Jesus, 11 guys went and said, he's doing it. He's doing it. John, look at that. He's doing it. You snuggle with the dude and Pete's walking on water. Matthew, do you see that? You're a tax collector. What do you think it costs to learn that? And then he fails. Like, oh, we're going to miss Pete. Going to be quiet around here without him. If it wasn't for Peter's interjections of comments, most of us would feel a lot better about ourselves. But Peter says the stuff we're thinking, and then we realize, hey, we're in good company, you know. Lord, save me. And they see Jesus immediately. The Bible doesn't say, wait, say please. Little King James. King James it up. Get louder. Be eloquent. Lord, save me. Don't come here. All right. He carries him. I don't know how humbling that must be. (laughs) You think of the hands on this guy. He's a fisherman. He pulls nets. They're gnarly, just callous covered. And here's this guy just rugged from the being out in the sun and his hair. And he, you know, and 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 Jesus is carrying him. Splish, splash, splish, splash. And, And here's Pete like, I'd object, but I would die. And he puts him back in the boat. They both get in. And everybody stops and goes, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. And no one said, wow, Pete, you got a little faith. I said, wow, Jesus, when I trust him, I'm like him. Even when I'm not like him, if I trust him, he makes me like him. Got a profound effect. Everybody's faith went to a new level. The only one walked on water. So let me just let me just float this one out there for giggles. What would happen if you started to share not your faith? And that's good. Share your faith. What would start to happen if you started to share what God did because you trusted him? What would that do to the measure of trust in the culture of your group, of your marriage, of your family, of this church, of Michigan? of the nation. What would, ha- what would start to happen if we started saying, I was so lost, I was so broken, I was, and then I cried out, Lord, save me. And I learned that he wasn't just powerful, I learned that he was merciful. What would happen if we had this child in our home and, and uh, her name was Clara and she passed away and from that, from that horrible, wonderful, terrible, terrific thing, a ministry was born. What would happen if compassion welled up to the place where it wasn't like, let's, let's take one offering to feed a, a village full of kids in Haiti for a day. What if we talked about feeding nations? Understand this, guys. Every time I've seen you guys respond to something, it's been a dream that is bigger than our collective assets. When we talked about feeding a million kids, you know, that's a half a million dollars. That's 50% of an annual budget. That's, that's an, it's an extraordinary. When, when God spoke me down there, I came up here and said it right here, right away. You know why? Because if I hadn't said it to you, it never would have happened. Delayed obedience is often disobedience. So I just said it. God told us to feed a million kids. Who's in? And about half of you went, yay. And I went, you have no idea what you just signed up for. But here we go. And now we're within striking distance of it. Just hear me. I, I think our heart wants something bigger than what I can do and you can do. A heart wants what only God can do. Only God can forgive you. Only God can give you a dream that he can make come to pass. Only God can fulfill the longings of your heart. And I just want to say this as we close today. My time's expired. That's not what I wanted to say. But I want to say this before we're done today is this. We, we think sometimes that Christianity 
is a, is a list of thou shalt, thou shalt nots, timeliness, cleanliness, speech patterns, don't drink, smoke, or chew, don't run with girls that do, don't run with guys that want to do, <laughs> don't, you know what I mean? And, and I think there's some validity in that, but understand this, Christianity means Christ-likeness. It means if you are who you say you are, then I can do what you say I can do. If your entire mindset is set up to be defensive against sin, you'll never be offensive against darkness, and you're supposed to be the light of the world. What does God put in your heart to do that you can't do without him? Let me just take it just one step farther, because I think I'm talking to one person today, and I'm not going to make eye contact because they'll freak out. I, I, I believe there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus. I'll just say it that way. There's, you just don't. And, and you're actually probably a more moral person than I am. If you were to measure your behaviors and my behavior, you're a more moral person. But, but the issue is not whether I'm good enough to go to heaven. There's no good people in heaven. There's only forgiven people in heaven. And the way to forgiveness is trusting the forgiver. And so regardless of moral aptitude, regardless of upbringing and pedigree and all the things we can measure with our, with our pencils and papers, there's only one thing that's measured. God only measures one thing. Do you trust me with your circumstance? And if your circumstance is sin, well, I'll try better next time. Okay, but I run through a stop sign. I get pulled over by a cop. He says, it's a moving violation. You didn't stop. You, you broke the law. And I go, well, I, yeah, but I stopped at like seven before that. And I'm going to stop at seven more. How many stop signs do I have to stop at before you can erase the one ticket? And the answer is that one has nothing to do with the other. Guilt and innocence is not good or bad. It's, it's binary. You're in, you're out. You're innocent, you're guilty. And because you broke the law, you're guilty. Now, who will forgive me of my guilt? Who will pay my fine? And that's what Jesus does. He pays her fine. But I, I stopped at seven other things. Wonderful. But you didn't at the one. And that's the issue that only God can deal with. So here today, in closing 90 seconds, if things aren't right between you and God, it has nothing to do with how good you've been, how good you plan to be. It has to do with trusting the one that can save you. And if you don't trust him, then just do what Peter did. If you are who you say you are, then I can be forgiven. If you are who you say you are, then I can have the Holy Spirit. If you are who you say you are, I might not walk on water, but I won't be a victim of any storm. If you are who you say you are, then when I trust you, I become like you. And Father, I pray in the closing moments of the service, as we're here in this holy moment, God, I, I ask you, Father, to reveal yourself because we don't put our faith in a, a building, a, a, a doctrine, a denomination. We put our faith in a person. You have to be real to us before we know anything about putting our trust in you. I know a little jujitsu, but I, it, it's knowledge. It's not a person. I know a little history, it's, but it's knowledge. It's not a person. Pray right now that those that are here that have knowledge but lack the person in his closing moments would find you. How do I do that? Just trust. <laughs> I trust you to take away my sins. I trust you to be greater than, than what I've done. I trust you to love me. I trust you to be there for me from this day forward. I trust you with my life, both in this life and in the eternal life. I trust you. I give everything I am to you. I go from calling you teacher or good guy or Old Testament prophet or notable American history figure. I, I go from that to saying, Lord, if you are who you say you are, then I can be forgiven.
and I can do anything you tell me to do after that. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If I'm talking to you, would you raise your hand right now? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Father, for every uplifted hand and open heart, I pray, move in powerfully, gently, beautifully. If any man would see the kingdom of heaven, he must be born all over again. I pray, God, that the spirit of every uplifted hand would be born all over again. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God, fill us now with dreams and visions and goals. Peter created a legal precedent to do the impossible because we simply asked, because we trusted. There's a thousand impossible things that must be done soon, and I pray, God, you'd lay them on individuals' hearts until they're all completed by faith for your glory, for your honor, in faith. And if we fail, let us fail forward. Let us fail trying, not criticizing those who do. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Happy Thanksgiving. Are you guys, honestly, like for a Thanksgiving weekend, no one fell asleep. I'm so proud. I'm so proud. Think about it. Stand to your feet. Um, the staff wearing orange vests that are going to take charge in 10 seconds will tell you exactly where to go. Please hear me. The, the COVID stuff, it's, it used to be there or over there. It's here now. It's, I mean, it's not in the building, but I'm saying that our community, we've got 50 people that aren't here today because they have symptoms or have been diagnosed or whatever. Please be extraordinary. Just be careful. Just be a good steward of your, of your body. Will you do that for me? We're going to leave not in fear at all, but we are going to leave orderly. And I encourage you to mask up if you got them. If not, just stick your face in your armpit and you'll die of natural causes. All right? They're going to dismiss you. Staff, are you ready? Staff, take charge. Any market set? Go. They'll escort you out in an orderly fashion. Please wait until you're dismissed in your row.